Good afternoon. My name is Stephanie Younger Moet, and I'm head of the board of the Columbia American Association. And I'm happy to be able to welcome you all to the last session of our conference. This promises to be a terrific panel. I'd like to remind people tuning in that they can send questions at any time, and the moderator will read them during the Q&A session, which will be during the last and final 30 minutes. Thanks to the sponsors who are making this conference possible, Wilkie Farr and Gallagher and the Content Room and our partners, Philip Morris International, ProColombia, WeWork, Look for Capital, Camera Colombiana de Comercio Electrónico, LAVCA, and Nearshore Americas. When I started my consulting company, Carchi Global, about 10 years ago, there was surprisingly little interest and very few panels that chose to highlight women. It's a relief to see this slowly change. As the Colombian American, we believe that women are critical to development in Latin America, and we're committed to further highlighting and supporting their empowerment. And now let me brief briefly introduce our moderator for today, Karen Scarpeta. She's currently the general manager for WeWork Colombia. Karen was born in Colombia, but graduated with a bachelor's degree from Griffith University in Australia, and has followed a career in international business, working previously for Groupon and Education First. It is a pleasure to have Karen here today, and I will turn the panel over to her. Thank you, Karen. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you, Stephanie. It's a pleasure to be here with everybody here today, and especially big, big thanks to the CAA who is making this space completely available and a reality. I want to thank also Lina and the entire CAA team for this invitation to share with you some efforts uh, of the most important business leaders' perspectives and as well their own efforts in terms of how innovation and technology are contributing to the reactivation of the Colombian economy across multiple industries. It has been definitely two amazing days with more than 15 business leaders from different industries participating with the aim of exchanging ideas and creating new synergies, generating, generating development and investment in and for our country. This last conversation though, will highlight successful stories from companies that have already invested in Colombia and how they have addressed the challenges they have faced in terms of also how these contributed to their success. Right now and today, this panel will have a purpose of reshaping the future from a woman and tech for technology and development perspective. It is to highlight new and how government programs and organizations are investing and using technology in order to support vulnerable groups in the economy's reactivation process. We want to position women as the protagonists and leaders of this new era of tech industries and the recovery for our economies. We know that for sure there is a relationship between those two factors. And to talk more deeply about this, we have invited a couple of leaders that will be exchanging their ideas, they will be sharing how they have ruled and how they have become an example in their own industries. Always putting women in a positive change maker sort of situation. So I'd like to start by introducing our panelists. Uh, our first panelist is Abby Daniel. She's Senior Manager for Latin America, Canada and the Caribbean Programs Team Amazon Web Services. Let me tell you a little bit more about Abby. Abby is the executive responsible for implementing education programs, workforce, workforce development, diversity and inclusion, 
disaster prevention, cybersecurity, and others in Latin America, Canada, and the Caribbean market. With more than 25 years of global business experience in the private and public sector, Avi spearheads the creation of the dynamic new team that enables the AWS public sector organization to expand to these regions. Avi loves the outdoors and it's, avid, and it's an avid hiker and a runner. Uh, she has a diving certification from the PADY Open Water, and she has also served in various nonprofit boards of directors, including the Center Costa Rican Culture and of North America. We also have with us today Ilana Milkes. Ilana is the founder and CEO of the World Tech and Heartbeat, companies that empower talent with 4.0 training. She has studies in finance, BBA and MBA, systems and history. Ilana also has design and development and international trade um, experience. Ilana is MIT innovator under 35, former Colombian soccer team player and multilingual. The World Tech Inc. is focused on educating millennials and centennials so they can feel empowered and ready to change the world throughout technology. They reach 21st century digital skills to motivate people through both on-site coding boot camps and, and the adapt adaptive learning platforms for organizations and students worldwide. Also, we have today with us Mario Maceroli. He's the president of Latin America and Canada for Philip Morris International. Mario joined PMI Argentina in 1998 and served in a variety of roles in Argentina, Switzerland, and New York. He, has named, he was named managing director in Guatemala in 2006, followed by his appointment as director in corporate affairs for PMI Spain in 2007. Mario was named vice president of corporate affairs for Latin America and Canada in 2009 he then went on to become managing director in Spain and the Canary Islands in 2012, adding responsibility for Portugal and in April 2016, a position he held until his current appointment. Mario received a bachelor degree from the Turcarto Vitella University in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and master's degree in business administration from the University of California at Berkeley. And last but of course not least, Marta Lucia Ramirez. Unfortunately, our Vice President of Colombia, Marta Lucia Ramirez, wasn't unable to join us today due to a last minute change in her government agenda. However, she sent us a video uh, where she wants to share with you a couple of her ideas. But before that, I want to share some of the achievements of Marta Lucia in the last couple of years, empowering women for a real transformation in our local society. On August 7, 2018, she became the first woman to hold the position of vice president in the history of our country. In her capacity and based on the priorities of the government of Colombia, Mrs. Ramirez leads matters related to transparency and the fight against corruption and gender equality. Marta Lucia, mainly concerned with women empowerment, the fight against corruption, as I was mentioning before, security, the creation of new jobs, 
competitiveness and the three strengthening and the strengthening of the three judiciaries. She has promoted and implemented public policies for women politically, socially, and economically, empowering throughout our country. And today is one of, one of the most influential women in Latin America. So production, I think it's time for us to share Marta Lucia's video, please. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to start by thanking the Colombian American Association and her president, Stephanie Younger, for hosting this wonderful event and inviting me to share the government's initiatives regarding women and tech for development with great tech women and men, such as Ileana Mikes from Tech World Makers, A.B. Daniel from Amazon Web Services, and Mario Maceroli from Philip Morris International. I am deeply sorry for not being able to attend this panel, and I hope some of the initiatives and insights uh, I will share now will serve to enrich this important conversation of how women in the tech industry are crucial for development. Under the leadership of President Ivan Duque, and of course with the participation and very active role of the uh, Presidential Councilor for Gender Equity, Heidi Gallo, our government recognizes the vital role women play in the socioeconomic development of Colombia. And as such, they have been of the center of our priorities and actions during these two years. The advancement of the participation of women in all social and economic activities in the world is less swift than desired and necessary. Part of the solution to gender equity problems consists in removing regulatory barriers and creating preferential opportunities, positive discrimination. In this regard, Colombia has made a lot of improvement. Let me say that the World Bank and some other multilateral institutions have made a report about legal restrictions in different countries against women. And Colombia is one of the very few countries without legal discrimination against women. In our country, women are allowed to participate in different activities in all the roles of the society, and women have no restrictions to have property. So in that uh, report, Colombia is in a very good position. Unfortunately, legal, uh, the legal restrictions are not uh, the only. Sometimes the cultural and social, uh, and, and social restrictions are worse than the legal restrictions. And this is something that we are working every single day with President Duque and all our government. We have to eliminate any kind of restrictions to women to participate and to have a leadership role in our society. According to OECD Gender and Social Institutions Index, Colombia ranks first in gender equality in Latin America, and it's number 13 worldwide. However, a lot of work remains to be done. In Colombia, 19% of female population between 15 and 49 years old has not overcome the gap in access to and use of ICTs, and only 9.1% of women carry out online transactions, according to the 20, uh, 2020 Hootsuite survey for Colombia. 
not to mention the lack of women's participation in leadership positions in the tech industries. In the 2019 Digital Transformation Survey carried out to 233 companies in the country, the Colombia's National Business Association, Andy, concluded that only 21.4% of the chief information officers in Colombia companies are women. This data is overwhelming and should encourage both the public and the private sector to continue working to close gaps between men and women. I would like to close this intervention by reminding all of the leaders present in this event the big role they play in promoting and empowering women in tech industries and the use of ICTs either by motivating them, giving them real opportunities, and of course, leading initiatives. As we all must know, this is not only the right thing to do, but it's also the smart thing to do. If both women and men around the world participated equally as entrepreneurs, global GDP could ultimately rise by approximately 3% to 6%. And this is the result of the different analysis that not only the IMF, but also institutions like McKinsey has made. So invest in women, promote women business, and to promote women in job creation is the best business for a countries to do right now. Thank you very much again for this invitation. Thank you, Marta Lucia, yeah. for sharing such relevant data. And of course, the great efforts that have been carried away and carried out through uh, in Colombia in order to break that glass ceiling. And as she was saying, definitely invest in women. So now, Avi, Ilana, and Mario, I would love to start talking with you about your personal and professional thoughts, everything that you want to share today, of course, will represent all the efforts that you've carried away through your companies. And of course, in order to achieve those great objectives that uh, Mrs. Vice President just shared with us. So, so let's start a little bit of the topic of discussion. And this one, I would like it to be something that all of you could um, state your personal view on. So what do you think is the role of women in the reactivation of the economy? I don't know, maybe Abby, do you wanna kick it sure, off? Sure, I'll start. <laughs> what an inspiring message from the vice president. I just, uh, it was a nice way to, to start off the panel. So women definitely play a key role in the reactivation of the economy. I think as we were talking about before we started this year, we've seen a digital transformation at a pace faster than I think we could have imagined as, as globally we uh, react to being uh, working from home and, and learning from home. And at Amazon uh, Web Services, we have implemented several different programs to really help students and also um, professionals that want to learn about uh, cloud computing and digital transformation be able to, to train themselves on that. And one of those is the AWS Educate program that we have a strategic partnership with Sena in Colombia um, for, for students in around the country and in, in all parts of Colombia. 
And we're also um, looking at other programs to help um, entrepreneurs and women entrepreneurs um, get the skills that they need to be able to use cloud computing for digital transformation. And one of those programs is called AWS Activate. And we've been working with the government and different um, incubators and accelerators and the startup community um, to give uh, women entrepreneurs the tools that they need to be successful in the um, digital transformation world that we're in now. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. I think the first step always has to do with education, with training, with actually getting um, to develop those right skills. That's the start of basically the rest of the cycle. Um, what are your thoughts, Ilana? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think um, the role of women in reactivating the economy are huge. Um, I was looking at some data on uh, how much unemployment there is among youth uh, women. And we're talking about almost 28% on average for youth in general, and about 37% uh, for women in that same uh, group. So I think this is something that's very alarming. Uh, but at the same time, I think that um, women, we have proof that we have all the capacities if given the chance to not just learn and acquire those skills, but also uh, be leaders in different industries. Um, so beyond the work we're doing um, here like at, at World Tech, I think um, you can see other leaders in tech, you can see other leaders in politics, you can see leaders um, in different uh, industries demonstrating that women are totally capable um, and paving the way for other women. And I think that um, bringing spaces like this one where uh, you have the chance to learn from other panelists, but also um, remind ourselves about um, how uh, capable we are, and also bringing awareness about those role models that are already doing it to kind of change the culture of a country that uh, has still a lot of work to do. Um, now, in terms of like um, more numbers, I think that um, it's especially in technology um, businesses or technology in general and, and in business in general, um, you have seen that, for instance, in terms of everything rela related to fundraising, uh, we have less than 3% of funds um, from VCs going to women, despite the fact that women tend to outperform um, other um, uh, people in business. Um, so I think this is something that also says a lot about the potential of women. Um, and then beyond uh, the tech industry. So um, I think that bringing awareness about those leaderships and also bringing awareness to this culture in particular in Latin America will make everything um, even more kind of like hopeful for the women now and the future as well. But I think we're totally capable of performing at different industries. Absolutely, bringing awareness and going a bit further, I'd say, also taking actions, you know? We don't want these discussions just to be discussions. We would like this to become realities for, for, for all of us. Mario. Thank you very much. And I also would like to start by congratulating the Vice President for such a strong message. Um, look, I, I, I will try not to go too much into the detail of our own industry, but as you know, we're going under a tremendous, we're living a tremendous transformation in the business. We're moving from a traditional cigarette company to a technology company uh, through the introduction of what we call the reduced risk products. 
Um, we started the journey already with research and development more than 10 years ago. Um, and, and without going again into much more, much more detail, that was done clearly looking at the consumer and the biggest problem we had with our product was the, the, the effects on the health of the consumer. So we tried to address that. And through technology, uh, 12, 13 years later, we were able to come with a product that reduces the exposure to risk in, on average of 90, 95%. Now, what does this mean? Obviously, it's a revolutionary product, but on the other side, it's a complete revolution in the way we run the business. Now, we, the business model that we have is completely different. The organizational structure that we have is completely different. Before, it was much more hierarchical. Today, it's a flat organization, much more agile. You need to be able to re respond very quickly to the changes in the demand and to consumers, consumer needs. And the role that um, diversity and inclusion had in our company for that was fundamental. Uh, what we see is that in a hierarchical organization and traditionally in, in our industry and in our company, we were typical, you know, white male, middle age profile. Um, today, I mean, we have done tremendous improvement and we see a tremendous benefit in an agile, more diverse um, uh, type of management. We get much quicker decisions, much better results. And I think it's no secret. When we look at the data, we see data, for example, from McKinsey that shows that companies that have more than 30% female representation in the senior management, they out outperform the companies who, who don't have them. We feel very proud of Philip Morris. We have been taking very seriously the issue of diver gender diversity um, as an objective some years ago already. Um, today, we stand at a um, global level around 37% of our management are um, a woman. Um, and when we look at the region in particular, we're more close to 40%. And when we look at Colombia, it's actually a very good example for us. Our management is 50 50. Uh, we very recently hired a, 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 a woman and managing director for Colombia, and we're having tremendous success as well. So I think clearly when we look at the way the business goes and the impact we can have is um, we have to understand is, is not how women can contribute, how companies need to be aware that the, the more they balance the gender in terms of the senior representation in the management teams, the more rapid they're going to grow going forward. And that's what we are looking for, right? Um, and we clearly see that happening in our company. I mean, the, the, we were forced by the change in the business model, in the type of product we are selling, in the type of organization we need to run. And today we can see the benefit, no doubt about it. Thank you for sharing that, Mario. I'm very pleased to hear to, that uh, in Colombia, uh, you're already hitting that 50-50. I wouldn't say mark, but it's, uh, I would also call it a, a great advance, as you mentioned. And um, well, hopefully that'll be the start for a great growth uh, in the region as well. So just to keep up on the conversation, as you were saying, Technology is definitely driving the change in the labor force. That's no secret about that. How can we prepare women for the future workforce? And getting a little even deeper on that question, how do we make sure that rural women who often lack connectivity also are acquiring the skills that this labor market actually requires? So I, I guess I can go first again. So I, I would say, Please. you know, for 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 us at, at Amazon Web Services and for me personally, I think having women role models and opportunities for mentorship is really crucial. 
Um, one of the programs that we launched this year, um, which was which new for us, and we piloted it in Chile, and then we did a version specifically for women that had women from five countries participate, was a tech skills course that included not just training, but also mentorship opportunities, um, which I think really um, strengthens the learning um, and then uh, it finalized with the certification. But for me, role models and, and mentorship are key. Um, I think that for us, our vice president for public sector at Amazon Web Services is a woman, a woman leader in technology. And so for all of us that are in the public sector business, we look to our uh, a leader as, as a global woman in technology. And that's, that's, really, um, that's really important. For sure, that's a great example. And uh, once you see that it's actually a reality, of course, there, with a path of, of a mentorship, um, greater things could be achieved. And I'll just add one other thing that I think that this year I'm proud of that we launched the Women at Amazon Latin America chapter. And it's again, a mentorship networking opportunity. And we have a hundred women in the chapter that are active. And more importantly for me than the number of women is that they represent 40 different roles within the company. And I think it's, um, it's important to know that you can be a successful woman in tech without necessarily being an engineer. Um, you can be someone who's in a product family or someone like myself who runs a program team and acquire the skills that you need without necessarily having to be um, a woman engineer. You can still have a successful career in tech. Thank you, Abby. Yeah, and, and I'd like to add uh, to that that, um, so for instance, in our case, so we noticed that um, over 70% of the schools in Colombia are rural. Um, if you come from Bogota or Medellin, um, you don't really notice that. Um, and then from that 70% mark, we have only 16% of those schools having access to the internet. So we're really leaving behind a lot of people. Um, I know the government has been doing a lot of efforts to promote uh, connectivity in terms of like uh, coverage across the country. Uh, but in, in particular, we started to notice that we needed to find a model that was not dependent on the cloud to work and not dependent on having devices to work. And so we designed and we developed this uh, IoT um, and also um, electronics and robotics maker kits. Um, and we're working with the Ministry of Science and we're working with the Ministry of Culture and Fundacion Ban Colombia. And we're going to like places in rural areas where there's no connectivity and there's no necessarily infrastructure to teach um, robotics or electronics or programs that require some type of infrastructure that as of today is uh, not yet uh, ready. Um, and so we're going from like the south of the Pacific to the north of, of Urawa, which is also part of the Pacific. Um, and we've been able to teach, for instance, children and their families how to grow mushrooms and from there uh, grow uh, vegetable leather, which is like a biomaterial that we're teaching how to create. And also, for instance, with um, um, electronics conductive ink, uh, we're teaching how electronics and circuits uh, work. Um, and these maker kits are non-dependent on software or non-dependent on 
infrastructure. And especially, like you said in your question, like rural areas um, are something that we definitely need to consider when developing skills for women um, and also for like uh, their families. So that's something we have been uh, working on this year. Wow, Elena, that's amazing. That really makes a difference on, 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 on that specific of, of our rural opportunities. Out of curiosity, how are you selecting the, the areas where these programs are taking uh, place? Yeah, so we had the chance to meet uh, the uh, Dr. Mabel Torres. She's a Ministry of Science and she comes from the Pacific. Um, and she is a scientist and she knows very well like her region. Um, so we started there. Our goal next year uh, is to go beyond the Pacific um, and go to other areas. Um, the Pacific is like one of the richest uh, regions in Colombia in terms of biodiversity, uh, but there's still a lot of work uh, to do in terms of human development. So we're bringing skills that are relevant and not just like relevant in terms of what you can achieve with, those, with them, but also innovate with them and taking it from like a kind of geographic perspective, because in the area, there's a lot of biodiversity. So if we teach people how to, for instance, grow vegetable leather with what they have on the ground, um, that's not only going to open their minds more, but also uh, kind of uh, make the context relevant without them having to think that they have to leave or that they have to go uh, to the city to do something related to technology or, innovate, or innovation. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how we uh, started. Amazing, amazing, great news. Uh, very hopeful to see how many women are you able to impact uh, in the next couple of years. I'm for sure, I'm sure we'll be seeing the results in the development of our country. Mario, any Look, thoughts? And, and from my side, I, I want to congratulate Elena for what she just said. I think clearly, I mean, the, the impact of, of these kind of things is, is amazing. I'm, I also think that when we look at actions by the government, like the ones the vice president mentioned, those are fundamental. I mean, the governments really need to understand that in order to create the future, education is the key, we said it before. And in this case, education based on technology is fundamental. Now, thinking about education without technology these days is impossible. I think COVID gave us the, 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 the opportunity to understand the impact that remote, work, remote working and remote education will have in the future, regardless of, you know, um, hopefully very soon finding the solution to the pandemic. I mean, we see the potential that we have in terms of remote education and to provide access to um, women in, in remote areas through this tool is fundamental to help them access the, the, the work market. Um, so I think that's fundamental as a client. I think part of what I was saying as, as a company, what is important is once you get in, into the work environment, how you provide the access for make them help make a career after. Um, we have also established very strong uh, programs in terms of mentorship for women once we recruit them, which is fundamental. When you're coming from, in particular, an, an, an a company, an industry like ours, when you're coming with the profile I was mentioning before, which is predominantly male, when you start bringing a few women, it's very difficult for them to integrate initially. So the more you build a network, the more you create actually the, and facilitate the access of them to expand their knowledge within the company and they feel secure and supported by other females who have done the same thing before, then it start having really an impact. I read some Richard before saying that even when you take it at the board member level, unless you have at least three board members, it's very difficult to really get the, the benefit on, on, on um, you know, um, on, 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 on gender balance. So 
I think that that's the steps that we have to follow and be very conscious about it. I mean, we, we wanted to different stages as a company. Initially, it was just, you know, put an objective of increasing the female ratio without anything. Then we had the tremendous and long discussions about quotas and people who love quotas and people who hate quotas. I have to say, I personally used not to like them, but I understood that unless you had them in a company like ours, you will never get there. And today we came to a point in which every senior member, uh, any managing director or di director in a management team in a market has a specific KPI intensive female ratio in their organization. So that's how we made it happen. That's how we accelerated. Um, and all these initiatives about internal networking uh, for women and, and, and coaching programs are fundamental for them to feel integrated much sooner and feel supported within an organization. Mm -hmm. Mario, can you share with us how long ago did you start um, applying the, the, the quotas as a KPI? Look, the, we, we live phases, but I would say in particular the last four or five years is when we were mm -hmm. much, since we actually launched these new products and we realized at the end is, is, it was for us a, a big wake-up call. It was to say, look, in the old organization with the old product, we, we, you know, we have been doing that for decades. We were the best doing it. It was very easy. Uh, and it was kind of a very efficient machine, you know, producing and selling. When we revolutionized the business and the way we operate, it required completely different thinking. And that's when we realized we did much more diversity in terms of gender and in terms of uh, on, on, on the, the way we were building the organization. That's when we started making much more aggressive the objective because we thought, look, the, the key to the new business model is to be consumer-centric. We need now to be closer to the consumer. Before we were a marketing machine, we shoot campaigns, people buy and you sell. That's basically it. Today you have to be hand in hand with the consumer. And when you look at the consumers, what do you see? 50-50. <laughs> I mean, you see half woman, half man. So if you want to really understand and replicate the consumer thinking and have impact in consumer, you have to aim at the same. Because if not, you're always going to have a gap there. And that's when we realized and we started pushing very hard for that. And great. Oh, sorry. Yes, please go ahead. Well, I was just gonna. I, I was just gonna add on what Mario's saying. It's so important, even from the very beginning of the recruiting and hiring process, and that's something that we we work on at Amazon Web Services to make sure, and and Amazon to make sure that when we as hiring managers are looking at resumes and we're working with our HR team, that we're considering, you know, we're getting equal amount of women resumes from women as men and then when we're bringing them to interview making sure that there's actually a woman or more than one woman that's going through the interview process so that a woman candidate doesn't only talk to men from the company um, because those are also really important steps to make sure that you have um, that you have you're giving women access and you're and you're giving equality and then one other thing I wanted to say is something that we're working on here as well is making sure that our women are making the same as our men um, and we look at compensation to make sure that we are uh, not compensating our men um, more than our women in equal roles. I, I, if you allow me one, one comment because I think yes. what you just said is fundamental is on, on theme of equal pay I think that's fundamental. I mean, we, we are very proud to be the first Fortune 500 company to be certified uh, in equal, equal salary pay by PwC. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's very important because it's a sense of fairness of the woman making a career within a specific company. And, and we, we have to secure that that continue to be the case. It's a very you know, intense process to be audited in that regard. But 
I think it, it really shows that it has the value. It really taught us a lot of the things that we need to fix. We had things that we need, needed to be fixed and, and we did it. Uh, but I think that's a fundamental step. And it, I mean, it shows how coherent the company yeah. is, you know? So it's the full process, not only the hiring, but also compensation and how that should be part of the future that um, all of those candidates should be looking for when they're joining the companies. So Maria, I wanna stay with you. So it's no secret that PMI is disrupting itself, as you were mentioning, and especially from the inside through science and technology. What role does gender equality play specifically in this transformation? Look, it's a, it's a bit what I mentioned before. I mean, definitely um, the, the biggest change we had um, was what I said in terms of our business model and the way we run the business. Um, and we had a, a combination of things. Once we understood from the very beginning that we need a more diverse um, type of management at, at all levels, but in particular senior management. But then the second was when we would look at the type of business we were going to run, we were lacking tremendous amount of capabilities. There were things that we, were nev we, we never did before, you know, customer centric, all the technology part, all of those things, a digital strategy. I mean, we were not doing that before. So I, th I think we saw clearly that we needed to bring much more uh, gender balance in the organization. And then we saw a tremendous opportunity because you're building new capabilities in which you can really focus in getting the balance uh, in terms of gender and at the same time get the, get the capability there. So uh, I think the biggest role it plays, what I mentioned before, is we have a much flatter organization needs to make much quicker decisions and be much more balanced. Um, I, I probably you know, can't say that because, because I am a man, but the reality is when you go into companies the way we were before, which is very hierarchical and a lot of levels, becomes very political. And men, to be men tend to be trapped in their egos when they're discussing business decisions. And it's a lot of ego fight before you actually come with the right decision. Women are much more pragmatical. I mean, it's like, what's the problem? What's the solution? Let's go for the solution and don't care that much about their egos. That has a tremendous impact in the speed of decisions. Between men, you can be fighting for something. You both agree, you still fight because of your egos. I mean, who, just to pre prove the other one wrong. The moment you make a much more balanced uh, team, the moment you have much more female representation, the discussion becomes much more pragmatic. Uh, and, and we saw that happen very quickly. And, and, and I think that's something we, and that's no surprise why you see the results after from the statistics we mentioned. It's like, uh, it's fundamental to understand that the dynamic is different. I mean, the, the moments you have this balance, then the, it's much richer, the discussion and the decision. I couldn't agree more. I mean, <laughs> I, I am exactly like that. I just want to be agile. I just want to be to the point and I don't want to discuss anything that goes away from the actual, um, I don't want to say problem, but whatever we're discussing, yeah. our focus. Let's just call it like that. Thank you, Mario. This one will be a little bit more maybe for Ilana and Abby. Uh, what role does entrepreneurship and to dig a bit deeper on the whole mentorship that we were briefly discussing before, uh, playing the empowerment of role of, of women in, in, in your perception. So maybe Ilana, tell us a little bit more on your thoughts on this one. Yeah, no, I think it's very important to see role models um, that are in your industry that are successful. Um, and also to see big companies um, supporting uh, programs for younger entrepreneurs. Uh, in particular, so in 2018, uh, we were part of One Young World initiative sponsored by Deloitte. And Deloitte uh, is this international firm, and they uh, mentor us for one entire year. 
um, and it's all by uh, top female leaders uh, within Deloitte. Um, and we had the chance to learn and grow a lot um, as a startup and as entrepreneurs. Um, and I think when you see this, um, you are motivated and also understand that um, beyond your startup or beyond entrepreneurship, there are uh, big corporations that are focusing on um, channel channeling their resources, whether that's time, people, or funds to grow and help you grow and take you to the next level. So that's something that's definitely very motivating. Um, and second, having role models um, in the industry that are successful also bring you different narratives um, where you're not necessarily kind of like um, sure because you don't necessarily see them um, often. So I think both having um, mentors um, from like other organizations that are supporting entrepreneurs and also seeing role models um, is definitely very helpful for entrepreneurship um, and for women entrepreneurs in, in technology in particular. And I Thank would you. add that, yeah, I mean, being an entrepreneur is is hard because you can feel alone. Um, you're starting something new. And so I definitely agree that the networking and the mentorship are really important. And in the in the entrepreneurship programs that we have, we do definitely incorporate those um, elements of network with other entrepreneurs so that you have somebody to reach out and talk with and then the mentorship opportunity. Um, and we also, so on the AWS side, on the Amazon Web Services side, which is um, our programs are for the type of entrepreneur that's gonna be using cloud computing. On the Amazon side, we also have programs for entrepreneurs that are developing, um, for instance, we have a program called Amazon Handmade for artisans that are um, doing um, artisan uh, businesses that are in some cases working in remote rural areas um, to help them prepare to be able to sell those on our e-commerce platform. So um, obviously, Amazon Web Services and more the cloud computing and the entrepreneur that's going to be using um, that's going to be using tech and IT. Um, but on the Amazon side, we also have programs for entrepreneurs that aren't using cloud. Thank you, Abby. Well, this is definitely a topic that makes me super passionate, and I would love to stay here for a longer time to discuss all of these uh, matters. But I think we only have. Before we jump into the Q&A with the live session, we have time for one last question. So I wanna just um, give it a chance for all of you to add any thoughts on this. So in Colombia, the unemployment rate among women is higher than the unemployment rate for men. Uh, this gap actually has increased due to the pandemic during this year. What can we do to mitigate the effects of COVID on gender equality? Please, Abby, yes, go ahead. <laughs> so, I, so I, 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 again, I, I, go back to, I go back to education. I, I really feel um, that there are, um, when some opportunities this year because of COVID have closed, um, there are new opportunities um, that have opened. And I think that um, we have a series of free online learning courses. I, and I realize if there's not connectivity, that, that's a different, that's another question. But if someone does have access to um, online learning, we have lots of um, certification courses that are free and available um, for continuing education training. So I, I would just say, 
for me, education is the equalizer and um, will help with the opportunities. I really fully agree. I mean, I, I think the, the to some extent, I mean, unemployment was higher among female women before COVID and, and, and today. And I think to some extent, COVID also is a, it's a little bit of a reset, right? Because I mean, we know that the effect of COVID is going to go away. And we know that as of next year, companies will have to start recruiting again, the ones that were letting people go because of the impact of the pandemic. Uh, I mean, in our case, we, we took a decision in, in, and when the pandemic hit, we made the decision as a company not to let go anybody in the period of the pandemic. So we, we thought that was a responsibility we have to our employees. But when we look at the impact in the markets, I will, I will, I mean, agree with the comment Avi made, which was, which is, once this resets, companies are going to start looking again. So take, take, take the opportunity to prepare yourself from when this starts um, growing again, potentially and hopefully next year. Uh, and education is key. The more prepared you are, the more you are up to date in terms of what the companies will be looking for and technology, the digitalization and so on are key topics in every aspect of the business today. It's not about being an engineer. It's for doing HR, you need to be serving technology. For doing marketing, we need serving technology. For being a sales rep, you need to be serving technology. So I think everything you can do to use this time to prepare yourself for that is fundamental. Yeah, and, and I want to add, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I want no, to please. add that, um, <laughs> like doubling down on, on programs that are promoting women. Um, I think that um, the gap existed before this COVID um, pandemia, and now the gap is just growing. So um, it, it may take us years of like work again to get to even the levels we were before, which were not the best. So I think doubling down on programs that, are promoting not just women's education, but also uh, development, also like work opportunities, um, also empowerment. And, and I think this is a work that we do within our organizations, but also being part in supporting um, other organizations outside of ours. So I think that's something that um, we're starting to see now with the data, but it's probably um, gonna kind of be more evident next year as uh, things keep evolving like they are. So. I think doubling down on those efforts uh, is necessary. Absolutely, creating a greater impact. Of course. Because, I mean, um, I was mentioning a comment before, but I mean, when we look at the challenges we had in terms of pushing gender diversity in the region, in particular in Latin America, and in particular for more senior levels, um, I, I felt uh, and I strongly believe that the full system is, is biased and not ready. I mean, when I talk about headhunters, recruiters, and so on, and when we're talking about trying to get, you know, balanced list of uh, candidates and so on, it becomes a very challenging task. I mean, when I look at the two more senior positions I needed to hire this year for our company in the region, one was the MD, Managing Director in Colombia, and the other one is the Vice President for Commercial based in New York. I had to really stop the recruitment, the recruiters and the headhunters for more than six months because they were only coming with, you know, yeah, initially they, they put a, a couple of women in the list, but then it's, it's, the system is built for them also to sell their clients. So we have to push the system to make sure that, um, you know, um, you, 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 you get the balance because if not, if you're in a hurry to recruit, you end up hiring men because in particular senior levels. And 
I, I, I forced myself to say, look, I'm not going to hire until I get a female candidate. And that's how I did it. But I, it was a sacrifice. I had, to, I had to put an interim managing director in Colombia to achieve that. I was six months without a vice president in the region to achieve the other. And sometimes you don't have the luxury. So, I mean, for, for Ilana Navi, that's so much in, you know, a new car in terms of entrepreneurship. If there is a, you know, woman entrepreneur there that can put a, you know, headhunter only for women and senior levels, that's a tremendous business. <laughs> Absolutely, but you have a very good point. And it's the fact that the biggest responsibility it's on us as hiring managers. We are responsible to push the boundaries and to make things happen. Okay, so I'm gonna switch. Thank you very much for all your answers. I'm gonna switch. We have three questions that I would like to try to squeeze in the last uh, 11 minutes that we have left from our audience. So the first one, uh, what do you do when you identify gender pay gaps? Given, sorry, give all the women races, that's hard to do when trying to manage tight budgets. How do you, who and how do you want a response to that? So, so I'll start since I since I raised it. So it's um, it's uh, it's tricky, right? Because you um, you want to look across job families, and you want to make sure that you're also comparing where geographically um, people live. And so it's it 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 does go beyond uh, gender, but it's something that um, first and foremost you need to have transparency within the organization to know where you stand. Um, in terms of compensation, and then work to take the steps needed to um, equal, make sure that you're um, developing equal pay. But it's not 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 necessarily raises for women immediately. That's that's not necessarily how it happens. Absolutely. Okay, we have another one here. What can the U.S. learn from Colombia and the other way around in regards to empowering women in the working place? Any thoughts on that? Well, I'm gonna add, yeah, I think um, I think both countries are doing efforts to promote um, women empowerment, um, maybe from like different sectors. So um, for instance, here uh, from the public sectors, there's a very clear effort to promote women empowerment um, in Colombia. In the US in particular, in my industry, I've seen that uh, groups like All Race um, are very successful women in tech and they came together and they just decided to launch this group to promote uh, women kind of empowerment in technology. Um, and that's something that I think that is also happening to some extent in Colombia too with like uh, programs like uh, Mujeres Speak, uh, um, other like, uh, you know, Geek Girls, which is an organization that promotes more women in tech. Um, so I think both countries are doing um, that effort. Um, and, and I think that in terms of like generations, um, you know, I, I think that because you have the internet and social media, you're also able to promote um, different messages across different channels, definitely faster. Um, and I think brands have understood the power of like um, these networks and these tools and, and use to promote that change um, within like society in general. So I think that um, for instance, look at uh, what has happened um, in the past, even like 18 months, we have seen a lot of like efforts around climate change um, started by one girl from like Sweden. And now we have millions of people following the Fridays for Futures um, strike. 
Um, and this is something that is going to become even more mainstream and it's going to grow more as uh, more people have access to technology and social media. And, and I think that today, like something can happen in one country. So let's say the U.S. or Colombia, and immediately you can see the effects in another country. So I think that's something that um, a dynamic that has totally transformed our dynamics and, and our societies. And moving forward, I think brands and people in general are definitely more mindful and also um, kind of more aware of this. Thank you, Lana. Here's another one. What policies are your companies implementing right now to help women work from home? So, Sorry, can, can, oh, I, say, ahead, can I say it again? No, no, I, I didn't, I missed the question. Then the question, uh, the policies that your companies are currently okay. implementing Sorry. to support women working from home. Please go ahead, I, I, I go later. Okay, um, well, so since March of this year, uh, we've been working from home and uh, Amazon extended the working from home uh, to June of next year. And so we have a, a variety of, of policies in place that um, make it easier for us, um, such as being able to purchase um, things that we need to set up a home office um, and make ourselves um, you know, more comfortable. And so um, you know, that's obviously for women and men. Um, also support for childcare um, and, and support for our um, internet connectivity, et cetera. So um, the company is aware that, you know, working from home for some is, has been a challenge and is working um, to make it easier. Look, for, for our company, um, and, and I'm a firm believer that uh, policies are not always the best way to achieve something. Uh, and I, I think the proof was, I mean, and, and COVID helped us a lot in that regard, which is traditionally before COVID, we were trying to promote remote working as a tool for work-life balance. Uh, in COVID, I think in this region in particular, we went for the extremes of 100% remote in our case. I mean, for, for some time, and then like with the exception of salespeople and production still today, 100% remote working. And it proved to be the worst thing possible for work-life balance. <laughs> and, and, and I think as always in life, the, the key is in the balance. And, and I think remote working is a tremendous tool for work-life balance, as long as you keep some other disciplines that you, what we started losing during COVID, which is remote working doesn't mean 24 seven. Remote working doesn't mean that you have the entire day block your, your, your computer with Zoom or Teams or whatever it is that you use and that you don't have time to breathe because you have so many meetings. And now the opportunity to join basically every meeting that is available is like, you know, the guide on your cable TV. I mean, you, you, you have endless possibilities now with the meetings. So I think more than, than real policies, what we're trying to do is to, to, to be very strong about the culture that we want to create for the future. We, want, we believe remote working is here to stay and we want every manager and director and people manager to understand that we want people to have a very good work-life balance. So we, are, we, we were actually, it's a very hot topic for us because it comes in every webcast we do in, in these days. Uh, and we are looking for actually put a, some kind of KPI to make sure that every manager focus on the well-being of their teams in, in current times because people are starting to get burnout. Uh, 
Uh, and so I think for women, uh, it is fundamental that we don't don't confuse in the company that the fact that you know if you if you are a working mother in your house with your kids all of a sudden now yeah you can work whatever time because you are in your house no i mean we still need to take care of our kids i mean i i do it as well as being a man but um i i think we have to make sure that we we use remote working in a positive way to achieve work-life balance and not to destroy it so, Absolutely. But policy sometimes is difficult because I think many of the people in our region um, actually commented to us and said, look, the moment you put a rule, you affect the principle, which is the best of, work, uh, of, of remote working, which is flexibility. For some people, it works to work in the morning. For some other people, it works to work in the, in the night. If you put a rule, you go back to have a strict uh, you know, situation. Policy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So flexibility and balance. Yeah. Uh, I think we have one last question and in this couple of minutes being that all of your companies work from different countries can you tell us about the different effects that they have in different countries given the culture that culture strongly affects the gender gap i i can volunteer very briefly I'm, I'm, <laughs> Please. I take care of the region. So I, I, I have to say directionally, the full region of Latin America, when I compare, I, I had experience in Europe, uh, we are still a long way to go in terms of, you know, gender balance. I mean, when I compare my experience with Spain, I mean, being 50-50 in management, you know, 40-60 in the minimum is very normal. I mean, it's what you've seen. Still, you have a problems at top on kind of CEO level, but in terms of management teams and so on, the, the, the gender balance is, is there. In the region, I think we still have a long way to go. I think in that regard, Colombia is doing very well. I mean, I, I also look at statistics in which you say when you look at, you know, top companies with um, present, presence of women in their boards, in Colombia doubles what we have in other countries in Latin America. I think it's around 14% when the, 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 the average in Latin America is seven. It's still very low, but I think it, it, at least we are going in the right direction. But honestly, I think the entire Latin America needs to, to get a, a strong push in terms of uh, gender uh, balance. And there are very strong cultural roots in, in, in Latin America. You might have some little exceptions like Chile, for example, um, uh, with, with better situation. Uh, but in general, I think the, 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 the key is to have the focus in trying to look at the solution. It will not come from one day to the other. But we need to have the consistency. And that's the key between, you know, governments and companies. I mean, it's not one cannot achieve it. Absolutely. Private and public sector always need to work hand in hand. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, Avi. Thank you, Ilana. Thank you, Mario. I am sure that our assistants took many lessons and definitely new ideas and new thoughts from our conversations today. Um, thank you for sharing our realities, your realities. And I'm sure that this will help us create changes and this will generate a positive impact on the way that we perceive the role of women, not only in companies, but also in society in general. So today more than ever, as we were mentioning just with your remark, Mario, I believe that the private and the public sector must work together to achieve a profound and sustainability of these changes. So thank you thank again, you. all of you. Thank and you. to finish, I want Thank to invite Lina Delgado. <laughs> to finish, I want to invite Lina Delgado. She's the executive director for the CAA, who will share some closing remarks about this interesting panel and the overall events.
So again, everybody, thank you very much. Thank you, Karen. Um, thank you, Abby, Ilana, Mario, for such a great discussion about the importance of empowering women, especially during these difficult times we are facing throughout the world. Thanks to uh, organizations like Amazon, PMI, and WeWork, we are working toward implementing more inclusive policies and working with governments to provide skills to women to have better and sustainable, sustainable opportunities in the workforce. Thank you, Ilana, for creating such an innovative platform and make your passion about education and empowering people to reach their full potential, the core of your organization. We couldn't have a better moderator for this panel. Thank you, Karen, for guiding such a great discussion. As the last session for our conference, Innovation and Technology Solutions Leading the Recovery of the Colombian Economy concludes, I would like to thank all the panelists, moderators, participants, partners, and sponsors for taking the time and spending these two days with us. We were delighted to have incredible speakers from the public and private sectors and Colombian entrepreneurs to discuss not only the challenges, but the large opportunities that Colombia has within different industries. What we saw during these two days of conference was a reflection of Colombia's creativity, resilience, and innovation. Lastly, I would like to give a special recognition to our hardworking staff Ivan Perea, Maria Alejandra Churi, Linda Calvet, Lauri Dominguez, and the Board of Directors for their support. Even though we face several challenges and an uncertain future, we need to keep moving forward. In the Colombian American Association, we will continue with our mission to be a platform that promotes Colombia and create relevant discussion for the country for another 93 years. We wish you happy holidays and we look forward to see you again in the near future. Thank you so much.